This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Thank you for singing out, learning some new songs, and uh, as, as well as some uh, some previous songs as well uh, that I grew up singing, uh, like like Thank You Lord. And uh, I will tell you when, when when we started singing that song, it, it you know you have these memories that certain things you know get triggered when you when you sing a song. And and uh, when I was uh, in junior high school, okay, so for the junior high schoolers in the room, uh, there were times uh, almost every Sunday afternoon, my dad would take our family. Um, and, and take us around to these uh, convalescent homes, and we would go and we would sing. And, and frankly, honestly, it was a, it was a highlight for us, uh, but there were certain times when, uh, you know, they couldn't hear you or something would happen in the middle of the song, and uh, you're sitting there saying, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul, and someone's having a dialogue with you, you know, while you're singing, and, uh, and, and, but that was one of the favorites, and, and so uh, I've, I've always loved that song. I love the message of it. Um, we just finished our series on Overcomer last week, and so if you're coming today uh, hoping to hear that, you can get online and, uh, and, and jump, jump on to one of those podcasts. Uh, the other thing is uh, I'm really looking forward to the next series that we're going into called Christmas Miracles, and uh, I actually gave you uh, two of the cards, uh, one for you to pray over the, the Christmas Miracles uh, uh, series that we're going to go through during the Christmas season, but one to give away to a friend. And I believe that if everyone in here uh, gave one to a friend, and uh, let me just give you a little bit of insight on, on where we're heading uh, next week. Uh, the, the first week is going to be a great week to bring someone who's a skeptic. Someone who has who, who basically said, I don't believe that there's any proof for the Bible being true. I don't think there's any outside proof. And if you showed me the proof, I would become a Christian. Now, I have some friends that I, t- I ask them, if, you, if I showed you all the proof, would you become a Christian? They said, no, I still wouldn't. Okay, all right, well, then we're kind of wasting our time. But, but I will tell you, if they're open to just having a dialogue, if they're open to, uh, to just hearing um, something, some of the facts, some of the apologetic facts for uh, the defense of our faith, I'm going to be talking about the 400-plus predictions that have come true about the birth of Christ. And so then, uh, if you know someone who's Catholic, uh, you have a Catholic friend or family member, I'm going to be talking about Mary uh, a lot and, and uh, the conception uh, and uh, the virgin birth on the next Sunday. And then, of course, we're getting into the perfection of Jesus Christ and the protection that God gave him. And so that's where we're heading. Uh, but today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, giving in a, in a different context that maybe you uh, have never heard. Uh, maybe you have, but, but I'm going to go to a very familiar passage of Scripture, and it is Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about Jesus' early ministry and exactly what happened. And uh, I want to give you the context because I, I don't want you to think that I'm going to pull this story out of context. The context of this story is Jesus is there in Capernaum, right on the hillside, and he is sharing truth. So, so figur- figuratively, he is casting the net of truth, and he is 
encouraging anyone who believes it to follow him. And so we're going to talk about the physical nets that were given, that were, that were cast, but Jesus was giving out a net of truth first. And so really, the first 11 verses of Luke chapter 5 is all about nets. <laughs> it's all about giving the truth and receiving what the Lord is kind of bringing uh, as, as, a, as a fisherman would bring into a boat uh, as a catch. Uh, the Holy Spirit was using the words of Jesus and I pray that he uses the words of Jesus even today. And in fact, uh, there were four men who were listening to Jesus on this day when we read this story. And these four men were fishermen. And the spiritual net was, was drawing them in to follow Jesus. And they ended up leaving their fishing business. They gave up their nets to follow Jesus. And so that's the context of this. And, uh, and, and I want you to know that, uh, that the first uh, couple verses uh, really kind of just start off with Luke being a, the doctor, the, the, the um, researcher that he was. He really gives us some good details. And uh, before we get into some of the details, I have to tell you that I'm not much of a fisherman, but I know some of you in here are. And uh, fishing is not as easy as it looks. I don't know if you've ever gone fishing in the aqueduct or uh, down at Lake Castaic or, uh, you know, somewhere around here, uh, Silver Lake maybe. But, but if, you're, if you're trying to fish, okay, you, you can't be in a hurry. Have anyone ever, ever noticed that? You're not going to be in a hurry. That's not why you're out there, okay? And, uh, and so, you know, you're going to cast that, that line out there, and hopefully you have the good lure, and, and hopefully you get, you get some bites, okay? That's not the type of fishing. Now, in Australia, uh, uh, apparently this is how they fish. I, I, I wanted to show you. This is how they fish in Australia, okay? <laughs> so, I don't know how effective that is either, okay? Uh, but we're not using poles and, and lines and lures. We're using nets, okay, in the first century. And, and so this is Jesus uh, kind of using some of these parallels. We'll talk about what all this means here, here in a minute from Luke chapter 5. But I want to read the first couple verses because we're going to go verse by verse through this passage. It says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake. So they're kind of up, up on the seashore there. They're standing on the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now why did Luke think that this little detail was really important? Well, I believe the Holy Spirit led Luke to talk about the nets in relation to Jesus' net of truth that he was casting. But I also think that he was talking about the next because that is what they were currently occupied in. That is what they were currently focused on. And it was what Jesus was going to ask them to actually put aside or to give to him for use in order to feed many that were hungry and in order to follow him. And so... I want you to understand a little bit about this passage, and so I don't want you to get lost in some of the symbolism and, and, and some of what Luke's trying to convey uh, through some physical, literal things in the story that have a spiritual meaning, okay? So I want you to see that Jesus did everything on purpose. How many of you know he didn't just accidentally do something, right? He did everything on purpose, and so I want you to see some of these. Let's break down the three parallels in this passage, okay? First, the nets represent what we have. Okay, so what does the nets represent? 
what you have, okay? So I want to make it personal because I don't want you to just kind of get lost, like, oh, that's good for the disciples, uh, but, but what does that have to do with me? Well, the nets represent what you have. The nets were what uh, Andrew and James and John and Peter had, uh, but the nets represent what we have, okay? What God has entrusted to us, if I could say that. Then the, the act of casting, uh, which we'll talk about what that means in a minute, but it, it spiritually is what God has said for you to do. So he's asking them in a minute, he's going to ask them to cast their nets uh, on in, out into the deep, and then the catch that they receive, spoiler alert, okay, they're going to get a big catch of fish. The catch that they receive is what happens when you do what God says to do. And so you kind of have this pattern in Scripture where you have something, and God says to do something with what you have. Uh, you have a gift, or you have time, or you have uh, an ability, and God says, do this. And then when you obey, then there's a blessing, okay? And so you just see this over and over again. By the way, if I could just tell you, there's some really simple patterns in Scripture. And if, if you start to get that, that it's, you know, obedience and blessing, right? So it's, 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 it's the Word of God, and then it's obeying the Word, and then it's being blessed, and then it's kind of that cycle repeats. Uh, it'll really help you in your Christian life as well. And so, uh, but when I talk about giving what you have, okay, we, I want to talk about two types of giving, because this is Thanksgiving this week. I want to talk about two types of giving. Because whether you're giving your time, like many of you did with the homeless outreach yesterday, or, or with the, um, uh, the Thanksgiving uh, basket uh, outreach, uh, regardless of, of what you're doing, whether you're giving your time or food or money or influence or whatever you're giving to the Lord, uh, and hopefully this week you're giving some thanks, uh, whatever you're giving, you're giving it in two ways. You're either giving it because of obligation, uh, so giving out of obligation, or you're giving out of gratitude. And those are really the only two ways. And only you and God know what type of giving you will give uh, this uh, holiday season. Now, I have to admit that I've given some gifts out of obligation. Uh, I remember uh, when I was in college, our dormitory uh, did a white elephant gift. And uh, my, uh, my dorm supervisor and I, uh, we had this adversarial relationship, okay, uh, mainly because um, we, we, we didn't get started on the right foot. Uh, he was a, uh, a Marine Corps drill sergeant. And uh, the first day when he walked in, I had already come in. I came in early. I didn't know you weren't allowed to do that. So I came in early, set up my bed. And I had one of those down comforters uh, that kind of looked a little wrinkled. Well, he had, this, he had this thing where you had to bounce a quarter off your bed. And my mine didn't bounce. It was down. It didn't bounce. And so I'm like, man, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Iron it? Get a new bed? He's like, well, you better do something. Because, I mean, he was fresh out of the military. He's like, he's like it's not bouncing. It's not bouncing, right? And so, and, and so regardless of, of, you know, I, so long story short, okay, I got him in the white elephant. So what do you think I gave him, right? Uh, I gave him a brand new pad of demerit slips, okay? So that was my gift to him. Uh, but, but that was a gift out of obligation, and uh, our gifts to God, our gifts to the, our loved ones, are, are, are gifts that we give out of gratitude, out of love. And so I want you to see uh, in this passage uh, that, that, that Peter's going to be faced with this dilemma. Do I give this out of obligation or do I give this out of gratitude? And I want you to see something. 
that he goes from giving out of obligation because of something that Jesus has done for him. In fact, guys, put up Luke chapter 4 because Jesus, before he was teaching the crowd, was in Peter's mother-in-law's house healing her of what would be a potentially deadless, probably a, a deadly disease. And, and he entered into Simon's house, Peter's house, Simon's mother uh, of Simon's uh, wife's mother, was taken with a great fever and besought him uh, for her. So, so Peter had asked something of Jesus. So now Jesus is asking something of Peter. And Peter's in a dilemma. Because he doesn't want to do it, but he kind of has to. Have you ever been in a position like that? Like, like hey, will you help me move? Uh, yeah, okay, you help me, but maybe, you know, it's like you don't want to say yes, okay? We've all been there, so don't act like you haven't, okay? So we all have been there where we're just like, I, I, I want to say yes because it would be the polite thing to do. And, and, and then they're like, well, I mean, the last time I asked you or you asked me, I helped you. You know, it's kind of like that obligation. That's where Peter was at. But in this story, we're going to see him move from obligation to gratitude. Okay, so let's see three parts to uh, grateful giving in this passage, okay? Number one, I want to talk about the partnership of wise stewardship. The partnership of wise stewardship. Now, the first thing we're going to see in verse number three, uh, or verse number two, if, if you can put the verses up there, is they're there washing their nets. And I just have to say that God wants us to take care of what he's given to us. Uh, part of stewardship is, is being uh, wise with our finances and our time and our resources and our influence. So we definitely should be wise stewards in the things that we have. But I want you to see what Jesus is trying to get Peter and the other uh, potential disciples who haven't yet committed to following him, but, but, but now they're about to. In verse number 3 it says, And he entered into one of the ships... I don't know if he asked if he could go on the ship or if he just kind of jumped in, okay? Jesus just kind of signed up, sometimes just jumped in, the maker of the wood that made the ship, okay? So he just kind of jumps in, which was Simon's. And then he asks, so what his ask is, is not, can I go into your ship? His ask is, can you take me in your ship? Would you thrust out a little from the land? So he said, thrust out a little so that I can use this ship as a natural amplification device where the, his, his voice would echo off of the waves and it would carry much further to the sloped hillside of Galilee. In fact, I think we have a video of, to kind of show you exactly what this looked like, okay? Uh, because it's one of the things, uh, this is the, 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 the sea, okay? This is the hillside, so it was a natural amphitheater there. They were on the hillside, Jesus was on the water. So it kind of gives you a good idea. Guys, go to the next video if you could, and see of Galilee. Uh, because it's a very rocky place, uh, it, was, it, it was somewhere that wouldn't have been really comfortable to sit and so Jesus would have been pressed into the water by the crowd, and he would have gotten in a boat, okay? And then after he finished teaching, in verse 4 through uh, 6, he's going to say, let's go out and go fishing. Let's go fishing. And so Jesus is asking for an excursion paid for by Peter. Do you get that? And so Jesus is saying, you've stewarded your ship that, that I've entrusted to you as the creator, You've stewarded your nets. They're clean. They're all in a neat pile, right? Ready to cast. Now I'm asking you to take the boat that you've just cleaned and, 
and, and that you've put away after an entire you know, night's work. They used to fish at night. And I'm asking you to go out at the wrong time, okay, during the wrong conditions, and cast in the wrong place, the deep, for me. Will you do that for me? It didn't seem like wise stewardship for Peter to do that. And so it's kind of a, this, this really hard, fine line that, that, that sometimes we try to blur over that says, well, where is the line between faith and foolishness? And let me, just, let me just unblur that line and make it a little more bold right down the center. The line between faith and foolishness is about as narrow as this book right here. You see, when Jesus asks you to do something, it's no longer uh, something that we're supposed to uh, superimpose our own will and desires and, and our own wisdom, per se. True wisdom comes from God. Let me say it again. True wisdom comes from God, right? Do we all agree with that? Do we, do we believe that? I, I, I have to tell you that the wisdom of the world will seem like it's complete. But I will tell you after going through studying uh, uh, psychology and counseling and, and, and starting to kind of go toward uh, some, of the, some of the things that the world had, some of the answers, and I will tell you that it's incomplete. And that the Bible gives the answers that people are searching for. And so when, we, when Jesus says, cast out into the deep, Peter was struggling with this. And when he said, cast your nets, he even struggled even more. Because it didn't seem like wise stewardship. But what he was not understanding was the person in the boat asking him to do what seemed unreasonable was the very creator himself. And the person who knew what was going to happen as a result of Peter's obedience. You see, when God asks you to do something, our job is not to argue with God about how plausible it is. Our job is obedience. And so we're going to talk about how God asks us to do some things. But I want you to see in, in Luke chapter 16, there's this principle of little things. That God does more with those who have stewarded wisely the little things. I truly believe that if Peter's nets were in dis disarray, that if his boat had holes in it, Jesus would pick James and John's boat and not Peter's to go out in. I believe that we first must steward what God has given us to be able to use it for God's work. How many of you agree with that? I believe that God wants us to be wise stewards of what we have so then he can take what we've had and use it for his honor and for his glory. And so, uh, and so in Luke chapter 16, it says that if we're faithful in the least, okay, he that is faithful in the least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in much. And if, if we have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, money, who will commit to you the trust of true riches? You see, we all want true riches, right? We want stuff that money can't buy. But yet we give up the, the, the very things that God says will fill our hearts the way he designed them to be filled and full and running over. And so here's the key thought. True stewardship is a partnership with God using everything that we've been given from God. Now, now let me ask you a quick question. Why didn't Jesus just walk out on the water and teach the people? 
I mean, how many of you know Jesus would walk on the water a couple times? Like, what would stop him from just like, oh, they can't hear me back there? Okay, I'll just walk out here and reinforce my point that I'm God, standing on the waves, speaking a message. Why didn't Jesus do that? The simple answer I think you've already come to is he wanted to use Peter. He wanted to use Peter. And can I just make this very personal, church family? He wants to use you. You know, a lot of people say, you know, well, God doesn't need my money. God doesn't need my time, you know. Yeah, okay, I get it. God can, God can further his mission without your money or time or whatever. I understand that. But you know what? God wants to use your time. God wants to use your resources. God wants to partner with you. That is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, he said we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building according to the grace of God. Notice this, not the guilt of the church. No one's sitting here looking at records for giving or no one's sitting here saying, Oh, notice you didn't show up to the homeless outreach. This isn't about guilt. This is about the grace of God. That, that God's going to lead people to do different things and serve different people. And, and listen, we're all here because of the grace of God. There's no one here that's better than the other person. I don't care if you just walked in here for the first time. Listen, I have no merit than you. It's all the grace of God that's given unto me. Oh, but now we understand that we're laborers together with God. Why? Because he's building something we can't build. You know, uh, the, 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 the family is built ultimately by God. You know, uh, unless the Lord build the house, he labor in vain that build it. And so uh, our, our marriages, we, I'll fail if I'm going to be the one to build my marriage. I can't build my marriage. I can't uh, build, my bo- build character and integrity in my boys. It has to be the grace of God in them building them. Do you guys get that? And so stewardship is not about uh, giving as much as it is entrusting to God what he has already entrusted to you. You see, the word steward as, as a whole means uh, someone who is overseeing or watching or managing something for someone else. And so Jesus wants to use everyone in this room and everyone he can, but he will only use those who are willing. So let's keep reading. Because in number two, if you want to write this down, we see the partnership of stewardship. But I want to see number two, the fact that there's a blessing for complete obedience. The blessing of complete obedience. Now, a lot of people are hard on Peter. And I don't know if it's because we share a name or whatever, but I have empathy for Peter. <laughs> because I will tell you, I want you to read this, and I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. Before we jump all over, you know, as armchair quarterbacks, as they say, before we just jump all over Peter, let's actually ask ourselves, what would we do in this situation? So let's, let's, let's keep reading. Verse number four. Now when he had left speaking, um, by the way, this is about lunchtime. Uh, so, so, so Jesus is probably hungry at this point. Everyone else is hungry. Uh, he'd probably been speaking for four or five hours uh, from daybreak. Suddenly, Simon, launch out in the deep, let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering, said unto him, Master, so he's being respectful. 
you and I would say, with all due respect, <laughs> right? Like, you know, no, no disrespect intended, but can I just break something down for you, okay? <laughs> Again, he's not understanding. He's not saying Lord here. He's not recognizing his divinity here. He's just saying master. He's saying uh, in, in, if, if, if it was written in Luke, or I'm sorry, in Ma- Mark, he would have said, he would have said rabbi, or rabboni, right? So, so it's just, it was a term of respect. Sir, if I could please, we have been, we have toiled all night. We've had a pretty rough night, if, if I could just add that to this picture, and have taken nothing, okay? I've been at work eight hours, and I'm not getting a paycheck for it. Do you, do, are, you, are you starting to get the picture, okay? So that would be a bummer, okay? Um, probably how some of you feel, it's like I've been sitting in five hours of traffic not getting paid, okay? I get, I, so, so now you're kind of starting to get how he's feeling. Nevertheless, at thy word, because you healed my mother-in-law, yay, right? I'm, that's not a mother-in-law joke, okay? I love my mother-in-law. I'm not, that wasn't, that's not in the text. I, it doesn't say how he felt about his mother-in-law, okay? I will let down the net. Oh, oh, so Jesus and Peter aren't talking about the same thing. You ever notice this? I remember as a teenager realizing this. And I, and, and I didn't think anything of it. And I remember in college looking it up when I was studying Greek. I, I looked up the do, two words. I want you to put the two words up here. Because Jesus said, cast out your nets. It is actually a totally different word. It has a totally different e- ending. So it, it, it's saying, I want you to cast out every net you have. Because I want to I show you something. I, I want to do something for you. I want to do something through you. I know you're tired, but cast out all these nets you just cleaned. Cast them out for me. Would you do that? Peter said, well, nevertheless, I'll cast out my, go to the next word. I'll cast out my net. I mean, you can have one of them. <laughs> I don't know this, so please don't think that I'm reading into Scripture. I think that Peter picked the smallest net he had. I think he picked the smallest net he had, and I think he was thinking to himself, I just got done cleaning these. Now, now ladies, have you ever just got done cleaning something, and you got it all ready, all good, and then some chillin' come running through and just mess up everything, right? Okay? I understand that that's frustrating, that is how Peter was feeling. He's like, I picked out every piece of seaweed and every stick, and it was pristine. It's actually pristine right now. But my mother-in-law is alive because of you, so we'll cast it out. The smallest net. Here it goes. Just to show you that I'm an expert first fisherman, fisherman, and I know that this is not the time for fishing. By the way, this is not the spot for fishing. This is not how you do it. I'm sorry, but try again later, next time. Jesus says, just, just, just do it. Just try it. Just cast it out, right? Let's keep reading. And so he says, nevertheless, I'll let, I'll let down one net. And when they had done this, now this is why I don't want to jump on Peter's case too quickly. Because he was still tired 
Okay? So some of us slept last night. Now, I know a couple of you worked the night shift and you're here, okay? So that ruins my illustration. But Peter was up all night. So he was tired, and Jesus recognized that. And despite his fatigue, Peter decided to give something out of his exhaustion. He was giving something out of his lack. And giving little when there's an abundance to give requires little faith. But giving a little when there's just a little to give, it requires actually great faith. Now, I don't want to lose you here, okay? But I'm going to use something from from my, that I use every day, okay? And I hope everyone uses toothpaste every day, okay? But I was, you know, thinking over this last couple weeks, and I noticed I was getting low on toothpaste. I think I was getting low on toothpaste, okay? It's fairly, fairly low. And, um, you know, we, we had some travel toothpaste or whatever I could have used, but, but I actually like this stuff, you know? And this isn't a commercial, you know, so I'll cover the, I'll cover the, uh, the, 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 I don't know what kind it is. I don't want to say it. I don't want to set it. I'm like, that defeats the purpose. But some of you know, you know, you squeeze out the, the, the toothpaste to get as much as possible. And, and so I opened it up the other day, and it was before I, I got a new, new tube, and I started pressing on it, and nothing's coming out. So what do you do? You start rolling it, right? You start rolling it up. And I thought, I wonder if there's, like, something to help you with this, because I want to be a wise steward, right? So, you know, you, what do you do? You just... throw something into Amazon, you know what? Some genius came up with this, okay? A toothpaste roller. Come on. I mean, nine bucks, ten bucks, Amazon could be here tomorrow, right? Just squeezing it out. Well, well, so so here's 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 the issue I have, okay? So go to the next slide so they'll think about what I'm saying, okay? Because it's like, hmm, let's see. Okay, what else is on Amazon? Let me let me see. That, there will be plenty of time for that. Here, here's what I want you to, I want you to, after I say this, I want you to start in your notes. But what I call empty, okay, God calls ready. And, and, if, and if you will look at your life in the areas where you're tired, where, where you feel totally depleted, where you feel like, well, obviously, I can't do that, and you realize, wait a second, there, there actually is a little bit more in there. There's a little more in there than you originally wanted to admit to. See, what we're saying when we say we're empty is we're really saying we're done. We're finished. That, that we're not wanting to be a vessel anymore. So if we just be honest, we, we should just say, no, no, I'm not empty, I'm not tired. No, no, I just don't want to. See, we, we're okay with being empty. We just don't want to be squeezed. We just don't want the pressure that comes with being filled when you're empty. You see, it's, it's one thing to give from your abundance, but it's another thing to give from your lack, to give when things don't seem like they'll fit if you give. When you give out of your lack, you are giving from great faith. And I know there's great uh, financial guys out there that say that you, know, you need to give from your abundance, and I would just say this, that if God lays something on your heart 
heart to give, and it is out of your lack, and it's God that's laying it on your heart. My friend, let me tell you, there is a blessing that comes from obedience, and there is a blessing that comes from complete obedience, but there is not a same, similar blessing from complete obedience to incomplete obedience. I will tell you every time that I have completely obeyed the word of God out of faith, I have been blessed proportionately to the level of obedience that I have obeyed at his command. And so here's the key thought. Here's the key thought. And that is this. The level of our obedience always determines the level of our blessing. Peter cast one net out and he received an overflowing blessing from that one net. Now listen, I say this in all love, but I truly believe, and let me put the pressure on me, okay? I don't think I have seen the capacity that God wants to bless my generosity. I don't think I've seen it. But I don't think as a whole our church has seen what God wants to do through us. And we will not see it until we're ready to release it. We will not see what God wants to do until we're ready to obey what God has said. And so what I'm saying here is not a, a, a church thing. It's not a pastor thing. This is what does God want you to do? Now let me brag on you a little bit, okay? Because <laughs> some of you are getting really nervous and I can see it, okay? So let me just tell you that we said there was a need for some families that we just want to be an encouragement to. Last year we gave over 20 baskets out to families and I was thrilled by that, but we had a larger list this year. And I will tell you that when our list was finished, and it was still growing even, even at the end, God was meeting the need in real time to the number of families that God had put on our list. And you guys, it's incredible. I mean, and, and we wit witnessed this. I literally uh, was, was, we had a little bit of food left over, and I'm like, what are we going to do with that food? And I was sent two names right then. It was almost like as people meet the need and obey God's impulse, God was saying, okay, now I can bless more families and now I can meet the needs. And, and I will tell you that even in the homeless outreach yesterday, we just saw God work. Why? Because people were obedient and God brought a blessing. And so our level of blessing always coordinates with our level of obedience. Number three, I want to talk about, and, and then we're finished, the amazement of true fulfillment. When we say we're thankful or we're grateful, I, I honestly think we should be a little bit skeptical of our own hearts in this way. I think we should really think, am I really thankful? Am I truly fulfilled in who Jesus is? I mean, am, am, I, am I just token, do I just give God token gratitude? Am I just telling him, Oh, uh, you know what? Yeah, thank you, God. I mean, you're so good. And, and, and just kind of going through the motions. Or, or, or am I really grateful? Am I really fulfilled? Am I full? Am I overflowing with gratitude for God? And I want you to see in this passage, Peter's response to his lack of faith and God's abundant grace. I want you to see this, okay? Because how many of you know Jesus asked for nets Peter gave a net, okay, so it was, it was obedience, but it was incomplete obedience. It wasn't what Jesus had fully asked for. 
Okay, so let's look at it. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down. Uh, we, we missed part of the miracle. Okay, so let's go, sorry, I don't, I don't want to skip anything. Let's go back to verse number six. Verse number six or seven, if you guys could. Um, I, I apologize, I didn't keep reading like I was supposed to. Uh, so if you go to verse, yeah, verse number six. And when they had done this, okay, uh, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. This is thousands of fish, okay? Uh, different types of fish, most, most people say. And their net break. It, the, the word there is it began to break. It was too much for that one net to handle. By the way, <laughs> there's a whole message in that, that that you have to prepare for the blessing God's bringing, okay? But that's, and, 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 and that's another day, okay? And, and when they had, uh, so, so then verse number seven, and they had beckoned unto their partners, that's James and John, the sons of thunder, I call them the, 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 the nuclear brothers, okay, they just wanted to torch everything, oh, a wicked city, Lord, just torch it, you know, okay, what, <laughs> who are you, you know, uh, so, so that's their partners in, 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 in fishing, in the fishing business, which were in the other ship, that they should come over and help them. By the way, your blessing from your obedience often spills out to others. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that there as well, okay, because I don't want to draw uh, too much uh, from the analogy there. But, and they came and they filled both ships. So now both ships are so full that they began to sink. So now let's get Peter's response, verse number 8. When Simon Peter, Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Why didn't he fall down at his feet? Full of fish. Okay, so boat's full of fish, okay, up to his knees, Peter's at his knees. In the fish, slimy, stinky, wet, grimy. You guys get the picture? <laughs> okay, so he's there, he's at his knees, what does he say? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Is it master or what? Lord. He said, depart from me, Lord. Now he realizes who's in his ship. Do you think if he would have realized that before, he would have cast out a few more nets? Do you think if he would have understood that the creator of the universe was in his fishing boat asking him to do something, he would have actually kind of taken a little bit of a risk. He would have actually spent a little bit more time cleaning his nets. You think he would have actually uh, gotten out of his comfort zone a little bit? I think he would have. And so he says, depart from me. I'm a simple man. And I will tell you that it is our unworthiness that drives our humility and our thankfulness and is when we get expectant and deserving of, of, of all the blessings that we have that we start just to kind of uh, miss what happens and this is what happened in Peter's life for he was everyone say the next word astonished now, I love this word because in it's one English word and it's two Greek words I want you I want to show you the two Greek words side by side okay he was astonished Fambos, okay, and in complete amazement, filled with wonder, but it attaches a kind of almost like an uh, an adjective, okay, or 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 an adverb maybe. Um, this periecho, and it means to be surrounded with, to be seized by, to be filled to overflowing. So Luke, who was a brilliant writer, but I think the Holy Spirit had something to do with this as well. Here's what Luke says. Luke says, not only was the boat overflowing, but so was Peter. Peter was, was full to the brim. When you truly understand who God is, who you're dealing with, it fills you. 
it causes fulfillment. Your amazement is not for your amusement, it's for your fulfillment. And let me just say something to you about giving of your time, energy, resources. That when you give something, it's not leaving your life, it's just leaving your hand. It is leaving your hand for God to work and move and to give you something that is not tangible, that is something that money can't buy. And I'm saying you don't give for fulfillment, but you give for the, for the pleasure of worshiping Him, of, of, of seeing uh, Him in His beauty and His glory and allowing Him to see uh, and allowing him to do through you what only he could do. And so Peter, I'm sure, had a little bit of regret when he said, I'm a sinful man. I think he was regretting not casting out those nets. What does it mean? When we say casting out nets, I don't know if anyone in here has truly uh, been a part of this. These would be 20 to 30 uh, diameter, uh, feet in diameter. Um, they were massive nets, extremely heavy, sometimes 100 pounds, and these guys were throwing these things from these boats, and, and they would completely open up. Uh, there would be a rope that, that would be anchored to the ship. It would land. The weights would come down. Let's, 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 let's watch some of this, okay? So fish, uh, fishers are still, uh, fishermen are still using these nets. Cast them in, in the deep, into the water, that pull up with the pull him up with the with the uh, with the rope. Okay, the fish are in there. They're stuck in there. Tonight we're going to be in a our final uh, series at Marie Kerr talking about what it means to be a fisher of men. And uh, but 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 this is a moderate catch. But imagine this is about the size of the boat. Imagine this boat being completely overflowing with fish. Would have been difficult to stay in the boat. And, and, and it would have even been difficult for the boat to sail. This was, this was the blessing. Now, to tell you how much these fishermen made, even with the taxes, this was a very, very, very good income. And let me come full circle to say that if we're not faithful in the little, often we will not be faithful in the much. We all want the great blessing but net giving is giving and leaving the blessing in the Lord's capable hands. God is not uh, to be managed or to be ma manipulated. He is our maker and he's to be worshipped. So let me give you this takeaway and then we'll wrap it up. Here's the takeaway. That true fulfillment, true fulfillment has one enemy. And it is the enemy of entitlement. Now our society is completely entitled. Let me show you what we, what we say, okay? We say, okay, well, God, I'm going to put something in my net, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you said if I give a glass of cold water in your name, I won't lose my reward. I don't want to lose my reward. So you know what? I'm going to give some water. So here you go, God, giving the water, you know? And, uh, and so you, you say, okay, here you go. God, I'm casting it up. I'm casting my net. Didn't work like I wanted it to. Okay. So, 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 so now that's out of the picture. So you gave your class of cold water. Okay. But this is what we do. Nope. Nope. There's got to be a pile of cash in here soon. Now you guys are laughing because this is exactly how we think. What we do is 
we give with strings attached. We, we, we cast our nets and, and we're looking. Oh, that's moderate blessing, but it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. As if God is some like cosmic vending machine. Like he didn't do what you wanted him to do, so you're upset. And let me just tell you something about fishing, okay? Some fishermen are not ready for the blessing, like these guys, okay? They're not ready for the blessing. He's doing the exact same thing I'm doing. He catches a huge fish, all right? And, and he thinks he's got it. Yeah, this is the fish he's been waiting for. They're excited. They're bringing it to shore. He even has, has a friend that's helping him. And that fish is like, nope, I'm going back in the lake. <laughs> so here, here's, here's why I use that as an illustration. Some of you are asking for a blessing you're not ready for. Because God asked you to give the little and you weren't willing to give the little. And so God's like, hey, listen, there's a progression to this thing. And if I gave you that blessing, it would ruin you. And God loves you enough to say, hey, let's start with the small and see where that goes. And so the reason why I'm not hard with Peter is because Peter started with little. And guys, I want you to put up the rest of the verse because he didn't stay with little. Look what happened. This is fascinating. This is, this is a six-figure income in our society. So if you want a, a true apples for apples, Think about this. So this is what Peter does after he sees the little blessing, okay? The one, you know, good day at the lake of fishing. He was astonished with the draught of fishes they had taken. Verse 10. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee. So, so now they're astonished. Now they're fulfilled with, with this. They couldn't believe it. Who were the partners with Simon? And Jesus said to them, Fear not, henceforth thou shalt catch men. And this is what happens. They didn't give two nets now. No, no, no. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They were all in. God, not only are we, are we ready to follow you, you can have all of our nets. A lot of people ask, what did, what did they do with the fishes? I truly believe that they, they fed the, the multitude that was on the, on the shore. I, I believe they did that, but it doesn't say that. So God used that. They may have sold it and used it to, to, to basically, you know, uh, sum up their, their business and be able to follow Jesus. Regardless, they gave all. There is a, a, a saying that says that generosity is an opportunity and I, and I truly believe that and I want to talk to you about this for a second because I, I, I don't want to end this without, with, with just a, a, a well good for Peter moment. By the way, a lot of, lot of times in church we have those where it's like, oh good for him, like that's, that's great, that, that's good that he did that. But I want to talk about the fulfillment in Christ because here's the takeaway. When we are grateful and when we're giving not from obligation, grateful giving is not about a law-driven obligation. Grateful giving is about a love-driven opportunity, a loving opportunity. Now let me ask you the question. 
if Jesus walked up to you and asked to use your boat, would you take him? In fact, let me, let me play a video from the Sea of Galilee that's a little more modernized. Guys, play that. If Jesus said, if you were living in one of these houses, and Jesus said, I want you to take me out. I want you to go get some gas. I want you to cancel work for the day. I want you to leave your house and go with me on this water. If he actually was here and he asked you to do that, would you? If you lived in this area and this was you, and you were walking onto that shore, taking him out, would you spin the gas? Would you do what Peter did? See, it's easy to say that, you know, Peter was all about himself, but would you be more concerned with what you wanted to do that day? Would you be more concerned about your family time or what you had planned? Or would you say, forget the, forget the boats, forget everything else I had planned, forget my excursions. Jesus, I'm all in with you. Would you take the opportunity for generosity? Imagine yourself in this boat. And Jesus was asking you to do what he asked Peter to do. Would you take the opportunity of generosity? You see, it's easy for us to say, yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd cast out all my nets. Of course I would. Would you? Because often I say that I would, and when it comes right down to meeting a need or doing something that God wants me to do, sometimes I hold back. And so we have to take the opportunity of generosity. And we have to take the opportunity that God is doing in this room right now. He is leaving you with an impression that was not built up by me. It was brought to you by the Holy Spirit through this passage. And we need to come back to the, the reality that we are grateful for what he's done for us. Therefore, we give. We are not giving to get we are giving because it is an opportunity beyond this world's imagination and, and, and understanding to give. May we never forget or get over the fact that it is a blessing. It is an honor to give to the one who gave himself for us. Truly, this is what Paul said. He said, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. God gave his son for you. He died for you. What are we going to give back to him? You see, net giving is all about the heart. It's all about the grace. It's the grace of God in you to do something that is that does not make sense, but it is something that God wants you to do. And so we must understand that we only have one life, and soon it'll be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. Nothing on this earth will matter in eternity like what is happening in this moment right here. What we give, how we pray, the, the internal investment we make is all we'll have left when we stand before God. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church. Or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Five New Life. Have an amazing day.